evening to you, God. Perhaps, um, well, this is like too much information, like you don't know everything anyway, but I just finished peeing. Thanks to Tony. You know, the toilet. My friend. Anyway, your game, besides all the twists and knots and cramps, and yes, of course, joys, there are daily needs of the body. And I thank Tony because if he were not a member of my household, there would be a daily nasty odor wafting about. With Tony, the remains of our day goes away, along with the stink. Smell-a-looyah! Okay. You being who you are, I mean, you must have surmised, like I always do, that I, this is how I open up, so you kind of get a feel of what we're going to chat about. So tonight, we are going to chat about peeing. Whoa, 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 wait, stop. I hope this will piss you off. <laughs> that good, that good. Now look, I have no interest in using your precious time to talk about your nation or any nation. Oh, I got a million of them. I want to talk about my youngest son, Connor, and my dad. You know, peeing in the toilet is a neutral event, right? You have to go, you go. You're flushing, you continue on. One evening, though, when Connor was maybe, maybe three or so, I decided it'd be fun to pee together. We both took out our weenies, and before I could get going, Connor was powering away. By the time I started, he was just about through. Finished, Connor started to leave, but he just felt it was necessary to comment on the situation. So he stopped and looked at me and stated, you know what your problem is, Dad? You're an old weenie, and I'm a young, fast weenie. And now, in fact, just a moment ago, as I peed, I thought about the fact that I am an old weenie. You see, Connor's dagger comment has stayed with me, like a knife in the back. Now peeing is a reminder that I am getting old. Gosh, aren't kids grand? As my dad was getting older, and I was getting, well, older, you know, in a younger way, I was becoming a teen, I remember him saying to me with a sarcastic sting in his voice, when I die, you probably won't even come and piss on my grave. You know, when I first heard those words, God, I thought it was a ritual. I would have to perform at his funeral. I mean, I was the firstborn. I even looked at my Hebrew school books to see if there was a reference to peeing on graves. Well, I found nothing. Well, I realized it was just my dad's way of being blunt. A, I doubt you will visit my gravesite, and B, I double doubt you will rise above the rudimentary action of simply peeing on my grave and honoring me. Worse, you will let your father's name disappear forever. Well, in both instances, the son-father and the father-son connections were, and remain, they do, unsettling. Both of them were offering streams of existential needling. Get it, streams. Listen, I'm sorry, I'm sorry tonight. I'm having a serious pandemic. Anyway, my father was teasing me that I wouldn't remember him after he died. And my son was telling me I was getting closer to being below ground, I guess, than above ground. You don't have these bodily markers, God. I know you don't. I mean, I could tease you about a myriad of things, but peeing is not one of them. And to be honest, I don't even know why these peeing stories haven't just flushed away? They haven't because, well, peeing is, it's not just a function of removal. Look at dogs. They pee not just because their bladder is full. They pee to mark their territory, right? That territory that pee is saying to other dogs, I have been here, I am still here, smell my vitality, and be woofing jealous. 
The same is true with Connor and my dad. Connor was marking his territory without saying it. I am younger, more vital, and when you go, I'll be going strong, still. And with my dad, I think there was a, uh, a hidden sadness in his sarcastic remark. I expect you at the very least to mark my grave before the world. I am the son of Eli Ralph Egger. Don't let my death simply be warm food. Honor me with visits. Remember me in your thoughts. Mark me for all to know. When we mark, we are telling stories that we hope leave a lasting impression. I was my father's son. I was to brighten his mark by agreeing with how he saw the world. My father looked at me as his boy and budding teeth and hoped that I would be his, well, his first mate. He wanted me to love jewelry. He bought me ID bracelets and rings, and I said, thank you, but I didn't wear them. My father loved color, yellow, bright whites, pinks, and colors all on the pastel palette. I was far more comfortable in the Brown family. My father would scold me. He would. He would ask me to look up at the sky and imagine a rainbow. Tell me the colors of the rainbow, he would ask. And I didn't know all the colors, but that wasn't the point. The point was, he would say, shit brown is not part of the colors of the rainbow. Stop wearing the color shit brown. Lastly, my father wanted me to embrace, you know that one, the Menin Skin Bracer Aftershave that costs like $3? Yep. Put it on, he said. Don't be shy. He wasn't. My father would put so much on that when he left our tiny bathroom, anyone who entered next gasped for clean, fresh air. I needed to put the aftershave on. But I did it because he put on for, for a hundred songs. So I didn't do that either. Connor, the young fast weaning, should have been my father's son. Connor would have instantly endorsed wearing bright clothes, jewelry and cologne. In fact, today, in his 20s, he loves dressing up in flash fashion, gold chain around the neck, gold ring on the finger, and yes, cologne swirling around him. How I wish my father could have met his grandson, Connor. You know, I have dreamed that one day I will take my boys back to Connecticut to visit their grandfather's gravesite. Now, full disclosure, my sister has two boys as well, but, well, I took my father's peeing the man as the burden of the son. So, anyway, I'm going to go a little off-road thought here for just a minute, if you don't mind. Because when it comes to dying, there are two camps as to what to do with a body left behind. I mean, do we do a funeral pyre for the body, or do we box the body to go and lower it back into the earth? I lean very much toward burial. I know that an urn of ashes is more well, eco-friendly and more portable and can be stored next to a book or the monthly bills or dead flies piling up on the sill. All right, all right. I'm prejudicing the jury to see the urn thing in less than a flattering light because burning the body is, well, it's convenient. Burying the body is not the choosing of the box, where to find a pot. You know, you know, you go on and on. And then, after all that's over, when you want to visit the loved one, you actually have to leave. Yes, you do. You have to leave your house. You have to walk or drive and get there. And when you get there, you have to make sure that the site is being maintained. Pull some weeds, flick away the cigarette butts, and toss up any natural or unnatural debris. And before leaving, you have to remember to place a rock on the site to mark that someone has visited. 
The last thing to be is, well, in the list is the hardest. That is to stand on ground for someone you love, knowing that that person lies just six feet below you. This awareness raises the senses and might sting a bit more. Everyone has seen death in some way, a dead bird, a squished squirrel or frog, a mangled worm, the rotting carcass of a deer. Death follows gravity. It lies on the ground by your feet, as with my father, my mother, my grandparents, my uncle, and friends. So, going back to, again, I have this dream, like I said earlier, and a promise to keep. My boys and I will one day travel back east, and I will stand before my father, and my boys will stand before their grandfather, and Connor with my dad's smile and sense of fashion, and Nicholas with my dad's open heart and believer in good in all of us. They will stand there when we will be among the trees and the birds, and we will tell stories. And when the stories fade and the silence becomes uncomfortable, I will ask us all to take out our weedies and piss on the grace. Now, like I said before, my sister has two boys as well, but I feel like since he was saying it to me, right, that it's my responsibility to make sure that at least I, being the son, being the firstborn, that my children at least follow through. Of course, when they do, my boys will be faster, stronger, and I will take longer, no doubt. And when we are done, I will smile and say to Dad, well, look, Look, it took 40 years, but I finally honored your request, and so have your grandchildren. And then, before we leave, I will ask my father to bless these young, fast readings, who will, in making their mark, will continue ours. You know, one way to continue, even when you're not here, is in the arts. The arts offers, well, I guess eternal life through books, through plays that you may have written, and also songs. Now, I don't know if this song will be remembered, but it strikes a chord with me, and I hope it does with you. I'm gone, but I carry on, I'm gone. But I carry on, I'm gone. But I carry on, so spray paint a highway bridge, carve your name in a desk or a tree. It's a burning hole in my soul. Will anyone remember me? Sharp point, nicks and marks, digging real deep. I'm gone, but I carry on from my eternal sleep. Question, question. What do they know? Plant a seed and when, when you're gone it may grow. I say drip, drop, marinate, save their minds before it's too late. I say, I'm gone, but I carry on, I'm gone. Mm, but I carry on, I'm gone. But I carry on, I say, spray paint, a highway bridge, carve your name in a desk or a tree, like a burning hole in my soul, will anyone remember me, I say, sharp point, nick some marks, digging real deep, I'm gone, but I carry on from my eternity, I'm gone, mm, yes, I'm gone, but I will carry on.
Well, it's not the most settling thought to have before you go to bed. The idea that when you're gone, you're gone. I guess it's one reason why adults have children. That the, the children, I guess, will be, like I said, marks or billboards for the mother and father who are no longer here. I remember seeing my dad asleep more than awake. He worked three jobs. And when he wasn't working, well, he was sleeping. <laughs> A lot of times on the Barco lounger, he started out wanting to watch a movie and just couldn't stay awake. My mom was hardworking as well. And I've said it before, but they left too early. And that has stayed with me, God. I'm not blaming you. But it does... I don't know, I guess it, it prods me on. It pushes me to make my mark that much brighter for them. Because I will never, ever forget my mom and dad and what they've done for me and my sister. But it hurt seeing them leave early. And any mark I make, I make in their name. Anyway, it's time to go to bed. Night God. Rest. <laughs>